God is good. Amen. Amen. Man. I don't even know where to begin. It's so quiet in here. God is ministering. I feel him all over the place. God, I trust you. You hear me? Whatever you're trying to do, I trust you. I'm not even here anymore. Boom, Nate is gone. God is, is really speaking right now. I believe that as we get ready to close out the year, God needs to be glorified for what he has done in 2017. There was a lot of tests. There was a lot of trials. There was a lot of ups. There was a lot of downs. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of bad. But through it all, God was still there. Amen? God was covering us. God was leading us. God was protecting us. Even when we didn't know he was protecting us. There were stray bullets that hit kids. There was gang members that got locked up for life. Somebody's mother lost their child. Somebody's grandmother lost their daughter through drugs, through cancer, through AIDS. You don't know what's going on. But yet God still chose to have you here today. God still chose to have you here today. When you could have been one of the ones that had a tombstone, God still chose to have you here today. And if he doesn't get anything else, if he doesn't do anything else, at least you can do is take 30 seconds and just thank him. And just thank him for the fact that you are still alive. For the fact that your destiny is still not done. For the fact that God is still doing something new in your life every single day. Come on, come on. If you got to open up your mouth and just thank him, God, I thank you for the fact that I'm even able to pay $275 to swipe my Metro card and to get to church, to worship you, to lift up your name. I'm not going to let this moment pass me by. I'm going to open up my mouth and give you the praise that you rightfully deserve, God, because it doesn't matter if I have a million or a trillion or a dollar or two. The fact that I got you in my life is all that I need, God. So I thank you. I thank you right now for what you're doing, Jesus. Jesus' name. If you may stand up for the reading of God's word, amen. I was going to start in the book of Luke, but I'll skip that just for the sake of time. I'm going to go straight into Psalms 23, amen. Everybody say amen when they have it. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Some of you may have quiet waters. But the fact that they're still in quiet is a good thing. Amen. Because those waters could be roaring like tsunamis. So thank God that there is a shepherd in the heavens that are leading you to still waters. Amen. He refreshes my soul. How many of you guys need a refreshing? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we have a shepherd that refreshes our soul. Amen. Yeah. Oh, Lord Jesus. This is going to be good today. I'm going to tell you that right now. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. Some of us are on the wrong path right now. We need to hear this word because God is getting ready to guide you back on the right path. For his name's sake. How many of you guys know his name's sake? Not your neighbor's sake. Because you can't get on the right path for your neighbor. You got to do it because the Lord is leading you to the right path. Some of us do things for other people and when other people leave, you leave. But when you do it for God, God will never leave. So you will forever stay. Amen. I just had to clarify that. Some of y'all was like looking at me like, Nate don't know what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. How many of you guys seen people come and go every single day? Amen. Come to Sunday, don't see them for three weeks. That's because they're doing it for others. But when you see people standing through the trial, 
When you see people standing through the test, it doesn't matter what comes their way or who offends them or who says hi or who doesn't say hi, who doesn't hug you or who doesn't hug you. The fact that they're standing because God is in the midst of their life. Because they're not doing it for Nate's sake. They're not doing it for pastor's sake. They're doing it for his name's sake. Oh, Jesus. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will feel no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for what you're getting ready to do, God. I lift up your word, O oh Lord. And I pray that, Lord, I may be moved to the side, that your Holy Spirit may come inside of me and teach and preach and disciple, O oh God, whatever needs to be done. I just pray that you are in control right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. amen. You may be seated in God's presence. As I was uh, preparing for this message, usually around this time is one of the most emotional times of the year for me. Though it's holiday and people are jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock, I go back and I think about the fact that in 2000, and I think it was 2007, 2008, my life was almost taken away in just a moment, in a spare of a time. So when it comes to the holidays, I begin to reflect and I begin to, to get in, you know, a lot of people say my bag, so to speak, my bag of emotions, my bag of frustration, my bag of doubt, my bag of worry. And I begin to look over my life, and, 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 and I, this idea always comes in my mind. What would have happened if I never would have came to church? What would have happened if I never received God as my Lord and Savior? Where would I be? Who would I be? How would I speak? How would I be walking? How would I be talking? Would I have a job? Will I be married? Will I have Michaela? And I, and I think about these things because I begin to meditate on what God has, has done in my life. And the fact that I was able to give him full and complete control of my life. Because I know that when I was in control, I didn't have what I have today. When I was in control, my life was in drugs. My life was in sin. My life was in bondage. I was in generational curses up to the top of my head, to the bottom of my feet. Everywhere you looked, that was a curse. I was, I, was, I was in shambles because I didn't have what I understood to be a savior. I didn't have what I understood to be a father, a protector, a nourisher, a guider, a leader. I didn't have that. I didn't know what that was. So what I was doing was I was guiding my own path. I was directing my own directions. And I was making my own decisions. And, 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 and I tell you right now, those decisions that I was making, they were not good. The decisions that I was making before Christ was out of control. I won't say them because I don't want you to look at me different. But truly, honestly, I don't care. So I'll say some. What's me up here? We're not going to have just a little bit of fun. What I'm, <laughs> that's my brother Jonas. He got to say something. You know? Jonas has got to say something. But what I'm saying is that before, before I knew who God was, I was in torment. I remember even having suicidal thoughts. I remember me getting into situations that I should have never been in. I remember me going into places that I shouldn't have never been in. I remember straight bullets flying. And when I looked, there was holes in my jeans. 
and the bullet didn't even touch me. I remember that when I was outside in the corner store one time in front of Roosevelt High School, my friends and us, we cut school. MS-45 was in middle school and I was cutting. Somebody say, uh-oh. Deacon, she cutting school. I was cutting school and one of my friends that was standing right next to me, I was looking this way. We were talking with our friends and my friend that was right behind me got his face sliced. When I turned around, he had a hole, with a, like his face was opened up in two sides. That could have been me. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you know it should have been you? And you even ask yourself after it's done, I wonder why it wasn't me. I wonder why I didn't get hit. I wonder why I didn't go through that situation. I wonder, and you get to those places. And then when I read Psalms 23, I realize something. Something hit me. Because just like the person that wrote the Psalms, David, his life wasn't all together either. I mean, if you think about it, you go to the beginning of David's life because the Bible exposes his life. So much so that I feel like he needs to walk around with a robe because David is just exposed in the Bible. They throw everything out there, Pastor. Like his whole life is out there. He even cheated. He got caught and it was in the Bible. My God, they didn't give David no breaks. That's because some hard-headed people like us need to read and learn from his mistakes. Thank God for David. Amen. Come on, give, give it. He up there right now all beat up, but he made it to heaven. Amen. He up there like, Lord, I made it up here, you know. I feel bad for David. David went through a lot. Yeah, but, but yet he still was a man after God's own heart. So that means that you can be beat up, you can go through a lot, but you can still be chasing God. <laughs> There's no excuses. Because David came from a home where they didn't even acknowledge him. They gave him the worst of the worst jobs. He had, he had six brothers that were glorifying themselves. You ever, I'm the youngest out of four, so I know what it's like to have older brothers. Anybody got any older brothers or siblings around here? Yeah? So you know what it's like to have Christmas and they get the Jordans that you want? And then you get some Nikes and you're like, uh, what am I, chopped liver? You know? They, not everybody can relate. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that his older brothers, they, they were built different. They had the nice, you know, abs. My older brother has abs now, Pastor. When I got married, my abs was gone. I don't know what happened in the I do, but something between the I do and seven years changed everything in my life. Amen? Now what I have is Jolly Ranchers. Amen? And Tootsie Rolls. For days, too. Like, I got enough to sell in the corner store whenever they want. I got wholesale over here. Sorry, guys. Let me stop. Let me stop. But what I'm saying is that my brothers, they were built different. They all had different abilities better than I did. They all knew how to read better than I did. You know, they all, they all knew how to dress better than I did. They were just better than me. You know, I was the only kid in my, in my, in my family that had an IEP. Anybody know what an IEP is? Thank you, principals and teachers, because I totally drew a blank just now what an IEP was. <laughs> Thank God for the congregation. Amen? I ain't standing alone in this one. But what I'm saying is that I was the only one in my family that needed counseling. I was the only one in my family that needed to take Ritalin pills because supposedly I didn't know how to act. Supposedly I was suicidal because I told my mom that I had a vision, that I had a cape on, and I opened up the window, and I was going to jump out the window and fly like Superman and land on top of the cab, and after I land on top of the cab, I was going to jump over the building and then save that person that was in fire. Amen? I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with that.
But what I'm saying is that um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have it good. And, and David didn't have it good either. Because David was out there in the sun while his brothers was in the house probably chilling. Doing their nails. Getting ready to see them girls. They were fixing up they do. Anybody know what a do looked like back in the day in the Bible? Pastor, what they look like back in the day in the Bible? The do's. I know it's nothing like yours. I think I'm trying to get that going on right now. Somebody was like, cut your hair. I'm like, rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. But they were fixing up their hair. They were getting ready. They were doing what they had to do. They were looking fly. Some of them even looked like kings. Because the Bible says that when Samuel came over and God was getting ready to elect his, his, his king, he said, go to, to Jesse's house. The, the king is there. Even Samuel himself, one of the prophets, the pastor was just even talking about, went over there and he looked at everybody. And the only person that looked like anybody was the brothers. They even forgot about David. So when I look at Psalms, I'm understanding that David is writing this psalm from a place of conviction. Do you ever get around somebody that always tells you stories, but you know they've never really been through it? I hate those type of people. Well, that's... Sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but I dislike those type of people. They'd be like, yo, I remember 1969. I was out there in the corner. People were busting shots, and all my friends died. I'm looking at them like, you were born in 2011. <laughs> what are you talking about, 1969? But what I'm saying is that when you look at the Psalms and you read what David wrote, you're reading something that he actually lived. And the point about it is that you can always go back into, into 1 Samuel and actually read his life and, and compare it to what he's writing. Like, for the fact that he says, the Lord is my shepherd. David wasn't working in a convenience store. David wasn't out there, you know, selling uh, insurance and life insurance and doing things like, you know, dressed up in suits and ties. David was actually dirty and filthy every single day. He had to take care of the... <laughs> I don't think there was pigs. I like it was sheep. It was a sheep, right? Thank you, because I'm not a theleos and I just preach the gospel, amen? But what I'm saying is that there was sheep that he had to take care of. And when he's writing his psalms, he even references the sheeps because he, he compares his life. The thing about David was that he knew what it was like to lead somebody. He knew what it was like to lead people that didn't even want to be led. I, I did some research, right, about sheeps. Because, I don't know if you knew, but sheeps are referenced 33 times in the Bible. That's a, that's a lot of times. More times than my name. My name is Nathaniel. It's only referenced like one or twice. But 33 times in the Bible. Sheep need direction. They, they can't really think for themselves. They need direction. They get nervous and they walk in fear most of the time. I didn't know that. Because when I go to the Bronx Zoo and I pull out those pellets, they come running. They don't look scared. I'm more scared than they are. Because I put my hand out, and they come through like, I'm like, <laughs> I went with Michaela one time, and one of them bit her. She's like, daddy, it bit me. The sheep bit me. They walk in fear most of the time. They get so scared that they run off. And sometimes they get so scared that they even run off a cliff. And they die. Like the sheep commit suicide. <laughs> I promise you, I do not rehearse this at home. This is all God right here. And you see the shepherd like, no! Like Cliffhanger, have you seen the movie Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone? 
my brain. Jesus, Lord, help me. It says, they don't learn from their mistakes. Sheep never learn from what they do wrong. It takes a shepherd to teach them how to act. It takes a shepherd to teach them how to react. And it's funny because what I read here was that the, the sheep, when they get accustomed to their shepherd, they get accustomed to their voice. And, and when the shepherd speaks, they move. But, but there was also research that shows that there's also people out there that try to mimic the voice of the, of the shepherd. Which I find to be interesting, Pastor, because sometimes I can sound like one of you guys. I'm not going to like, mimic anybody here, I promise. But what I'm saying is that you ever seen those impersonators before on TV where they can just sound just like, you know, President Donald Trump. They can sound like Barack Obama. They can sound like me. They can sound like pastor. There's people that have this type of ability to 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 mimic you, to do the same things that you kind of do. Similar to what, you know, God is and the devil. Similar, a little bit. You know, the devil always tries to mimic God. And, and. If you're not being shepherd correctly, you might be shepherd incorrectly. Because there's a voice that sounds like it, but it's not it. So what I'm trying to say is that the sheep get so in tune with the voice of their shepherd that even when the enemy tries to mimic them, they don't obey. They scatter. Isn't that funny? That somebody will try to talk you out of your destiny and your purpose. And instead of you running away from it, because the Bible says resist the enemy, he shall what? We stand there and we try to box with the enemy. I just found that to be funny. It has nothing to do with my message. I just felt like saying it. The sheep tend to stray away from their shepherd. Similar to what we do. Whenever times get hard, we decide to stop coming to church. Whenever our finances don't add up to what they should be, we stop tithing. Whenever we decide that somebody don't say hi to me, we stop talking to them. And we stray away from what we should be running to. Because our natural tendency as human beings is to be comfort, to be in comfort. And the fact is that God, majority of the times, and I'm learning this, I'm 31, I'm learning this through the hard way. He wants us to be in a hard place. Because it's in those times of trials and testing that you learn more than you do on your couch. God does not bless you on your couch. You have to be just a little bit uncomfortable for God to move in your life. Amen? The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. So how can the enemy come in? How can he enter into your space if you aren't doing anything? The majority of the times when the enemy begins to react in your life is when you start waking up. It's when you start pushing yourself. It's when you start coming to church more. It's when you begin to get active in the house of God. It's when you begin to be a better husband, a better father. And then that's when the enemy goes, oh, he woke up. She woke up. It's time to attack. Minions, goons, let's go. It says, what gives them comfort is the voice of their shepherd. Our frequency might be off because we're not listening to the right voice. 
what's going on right now is that God is speaking to us, but we're too busy listening to the other voice that the main voice that we should be listening to is not allowed in because the other voice is constantly in your brain. And you have to literally take a moment to stop because the sheep, the sheep take a moment and they go and they start listening. The sheep go, what's going on? They start listening. And then as soon as they're able to detect just a little slight different, like another voice that's not right, the sheep scatter. And I'm telling you right now, you need to scatter from the enemy. Because the enemy is really trying to mimic God's voice. And you have to, you have to be able to pray it out. You have to be able to fast it out. You got to be able to praise it out, hallelujah it out, fellowship it out. I mean, you got to do something about it. Because you cannot enter 2018 with the same frustration that you had in 2017. See, the title of my sermon is that, the title of my sermon is you covered me in the midst of it all. Because sometimes it's us that makes a decision that causes to be in a tough situation. It's us that makes that decision that puts us in tough situations. And even through it all, God still covers you. Just like he covered me in that corner store. Just like he covered me from getting hit more than two times. Just like he covered my family when we didn't have enough money and there was still food on the table. Whether it was ketchup and white rice. Whether it was corned beef with potatoes. Whether it was bread with cheese. Whether it was bread with butter. Whether we had to share a meal. Whether we had to starve for a meal. God was still there in the midst of it all. God still covered you in the midst of it all. The Bible says that the Lord is a shepherd that I lack nothing. You lack nothing when you're connected to the shepherd that has everything that you need already in his hand, ready to give it to you. But all you got to do is come to him. The Bible said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of us are too busy lying down on concrete. We're more comfortable lying down on concrete than we are lying down in green pastures. I was speaking about this earlier. God God said that he will lead you to quiet waters. Now, this is the part that that spoke to me the most when I was preparing this message, when I said, God, the reason why my life is like the way that it is now is because I'm not allowing you to lead me. Because because I decided to take matters into my own hands again. 2017 was was a year of me understanding that, that I can't take control. I got to let go and let God. Some of you, I won't say that out loud because you want everybody to like you. But my thing is this. You have to be able to be vulnerable before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in 2018, I want him to lead me to green pastures. I want to be able to have peace even when there's chaos. I want to be able to have peace even when Donald Trump messes up. I want to have peace even when people are getting shot in Texas in a church. I I didn't tell nobody this, but for a whole two weeks, I I was nervous. When they busted up that church, I came in here and I was on point. I didn't say nothing to nobody. I just stood quiet. I said, somebody come through this door looking awkward, they're going to get a spear and a Superman punch. You know what a Superman punch look like? A Superman punch is like, I was going to take him out for you guys. Amen? And Jonas is like, I got your back, Nate. I got your back. Him and me together are the X-Men, amen? We're the X-Men. But what I'm saying is that 
What's going on in this world right now, what the media is deciding to feed to us, what, the, what we're paying attention to, is stuff that's bringing fear in our lives. It's stuff that is now allowing us to lie down on green pastures. It's stuff that, that even you saw in the Bible that when there was a storm and Jesus was in the boat, he was sleeping. Because God knows something that we don't. He's in control. And sometimes we forget that. This, this word is nothing new. You've heard this word thousands of times. This is just a reminder that when you get ready to get up for 2018, get up with a praise in your mouth. Get up with a worship dance. Get up with a preaching. Get up with a teaching. I mean, if you're going to get up for 2018, you might as well get up right before the Lord Jesus Christ. You might as well wake up on fire and stop worrying about the anxieties and the depression. Leave that to God. Worry about what God is asking you to do, whether it's that to pick up the mic, whether it's to dance. She hasn't even been to church for a year. Melly, stand up. You haven't been to church for a year. She's like, oh, my God, now you're going to put me in this predicament. And she came in, and the Lord touched her. She said, I want to sing for Jesus. And I said, who said you can't? Open up your mouth and praise him, because I don't know what God is going to do when you do it. All I got to know is, all I got to do is say yes. You don't know what God is going to do. You know what God is going to do in you, through you, around you, or anywhere. The only thing you got to do is be obedient. I didn't want to pick up the mic and preach. I didn't, I, sometimes I don't even feel like a preacher. Sometimes I don't even feel like worshiping. But the fact is that I opened up my arms and I said, God, through it all, you covered me. Through it all, you're with me. Through it all, I know that you're there. I can trust you because I've seen your hand over my life. And sometimes you just got to get bold like that and stop caring about the nonsense and start worrying about what God wants. Let him lead you to the green pastures. Let him lead you to the quiet waters. Stop listening to the music that messes up your brain. Start listening to the music that uplifts your brain. Stop listening to the nonsense that people are saying. Start listening to the things that God is saying. Stop worrying about where your money's going. Invest it in the kingdom and it's going to come right back. Press down, shake it together, running over with a blessing in it. Amen. Stop worrying about what the doctor's saying. Start worrying about what Jesus is saying. That you're healed. That's why when people call me about David, the first thing I did was pray. I got worried because that's my brother and that's my minister, but I know that God got his back. I know that God is covering him through the midst of it all. I know that he's doing it because I believe in a God that saves. I believe in a God that lives. I believe, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And even when my life is looking crazy. Even when I made the decisions for it to look crazy, I can turn around and say, God, you forgive me? And he's like, yo, come on, bring it, boy. Bring it, boy. I got you, homie. And I come running to him like this. Like. And he picked me up. My leg be all up like this. And he got me in his hand. I'm like, because you're not going to be perfect when you come to Jesus. You're going to be broken when you come to Jesus. When you come to God, you don't come to God perfect. That's why I get worried when people say I'm waiting for my time. So when I'm right at 35 and I got my bank account ready and my house is in order, that's when I'm going to come to church and I'm going to praise him. And I tell him, you don't even know if you're going to live up to 35. Tomorrow is never promised. You got to live for today. So come to church today, get saved, get right, and come before the Lord so he can direct your life to where it needs to be. Because to be frank, I'm never going to be ready to pick up this microphone. I was never taught how to preach. The fact is that what you're hearing right now is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Nate. I never sat down in a Bible class. I don't even know what a Bible class looks like. 
The only thing I know is that God says, this is the scripture. Trust what I'm going to do and go up there and let me flow through you. And I say, okay, Lord, whatever. Sometimes it comes out great. Sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, I said yes. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Sometimes you are in the valley. Some of y'all are in the valley right now. You need some smart water. What, what, what do you drink, Pastor? Some Instana? What is the name of that? Essentia. You need some Essentia that comes with some electrolyte and some proteins. And, 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 and it comes, it, it got vegetables and everything in there. Get it out. What I'm saying is that you need something in your life because right now you are dry. Some of you guys look like a walking Dorito. That if I go boom, you, you go break all the way down. Amen? Nobody wants a broken bag of Doritos. Who picks up a broken bag of Doritos in the corner store? Not, 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 not me. The first thing I do is, oh, it's cracked. Boom, to the back. And I pick up the one that looks nice. Amen? Even though that's not good either. You and your... <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Leave me alone. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Some of us right now are in church because you're going through a dark valley. You're going through a tough situation. Nobody understands. Nobody can prophesy it. Right? Because some of us go to church and you expect pastor to prophesy to you about your situation that only you know about. And God knows about. But you expect pastor to know it. Because you're just looking at him. Everybody get that awkward look in church when pastor's preaching? And he's preaching, he's just looking at you, and you're like, does he know my situation? Like, does he know what I'm going through right now? Because he's hitting it right now. And my friend does that all the time. My friend Josie, he got like 10 kids. The one that comes. He, I call him the next day after church because I give him like 24 hours to process the message. And then I call him the next day. He goes, yo, bro, that message was fire, son. That means it was good for those Make it sure because Jesus, some of y'all are like, I don't even know what fire means. Well, anyway, what I'm saying is that I call him the next day, right, to just to follow up with him, make sure that he's good, that he understood everything that was going on. If I got to break it down, da 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 da. So I call him and he goes, Man, yo, the pastor, he was on fire. Why he kept looking at me though? <laughs> then he goes, Did you tell him what I told you last week? I look at the phone and I go, I said, I didn't even talk to Pastor for like a week. What you talking about? But it's just a funny thing because God knows exactly what valley you're in. God knows the valley you're in even before you know you're about to get into the valley. And then David knew about the valley. David was on a run for a little bit because even his own mentor was trying to hit him with javelins. His own mentor was trying to kill him. All because he was obedient to what God was doing. Oh, man. That is really good. I mean, I just feel like praise dancing right there. Babe, get my dress out. Get the dress out. I'm going to praise dance. All the men is like, he got a dress? <laughs> but what I'm saying is that David knew what it was like to be on the run. He was a fugitive for a while. He had people hunting him. So that's why when I look at this scripture, he goes, even though I walk through the darkest valleys. You know, was that the hat to hide in caves? When the only thing you do was say, yes, God. 
the only thing you do was stand up for, for God's people even when they didn't want to stand up for themselves. For, for you to take stones and put it on a slingshot and go out there and kill a giant, boom, cut his head off, boom, hold it up, say, thank you, Jesus. And people are cheering. But at the same time, those same people that are cheering with you turn around the next season and try to destroy you. Try to kill you. Try to sabotage you. Try to take you out. Thank you, buddy. Try to take you out. And now you're on the run. And this is when I read this scripture. He knew exactly that the Lord is the shepherd, that I lack nothing. And then he goes, you'll lead me to green pastures. He's basically saying that he knows what it's like to be in a tough situation. And he knows that if he's with God and God is with him, no matter what the situation, he's going to end up on the other side on the green pastures. And then he goes back and says, he refreshes my soul. Because David knew what it was like to be dried up and give and give and give. And everybody take it, take it, take it, and him being dry. I mean, think about it. You just saved the nation by yourself. And now the same nation that you just try to save is coming after you. And you only got one friend. And you barely could trust him because that friend is connected with the same dude that's trying to kill you. I've been in those situations before, too. I remember when I was in the hospital after being shot, everybody that came in was a perk. I was looking at him like, was it you? Was it you? I even looked at the nurse and said, it might have been you too. I was all paranoid. Mingo, I'm telling you, I was going through, Pastor. I'm telling you, even the bus drive, I was like, it had to be you. I smell a gunfire right now. The gunpowder's on you, buddy. You try to murk me. <laughs> Y'all don't know what it's like to be paranoid. I have no idea. And David was paranoid. David was on a run. My man was on a run. Anybody ever be in ever, anybody ever run from, from purpose? Both. From purpose or on purpose. You're right. Thank you, Minister Helen. Oh God. That's good right there. Let me write that down. No, curtain. Amen. God is good. Have you ever run from purpose and for purpose? Many of times I've done it. I've even tried to sabotage my own calling. Because when I look, sometimes I say, God, I'm not ready for this. I don't even know if I'm capable of doing this. I don't even know if I could be a husband or father. I've never seen it done. I get scared. Is that a right to say out loud? I get worried. I battle with real life things. I'm not a fake person. My situations is real. I know what it's like to have zero in the bank account and you hungry. I know what it's like to be tested. But I know for 10 years I've been serving God and I've seen his hand in tough situations. And I know that as long as I keep fighting the good fight of faith. Something is going to come out of it. Amen? Amen. Something good. And that's why I'm looking forward to 2018. A lot of people like, oh, my God, 2018 is going to be a disaster. I said, no, it's going to be the biggest blessing of my life. Because the same year, 2017, God, I mean, the enemy tried to take away my son. And now I'm about to walk into my son in 2018. <laughs> enemy tried to sabotage my marriage, and my marriage is going to be strong in 2018. Enemy tried to... Take me on my job. But guess what? I'm going to keep my job and I'm going to declare a raise on top of that in 2018. 
This is how you got to talk. Sometimes you even got to tell yourself to tell yourself something good. Because the only thing you want to tell yourself is negativity. But you got to speak yourself into blessing. Amen? Come on. And, and the Bible says, I will fear no evil. I'm not scared of the enemy. I ain't scared of nothing, to be honest with you. Don't let my wife tell you the truth, but there's something I'm scared of. I ain't going to lie. Like, I never want to see a manifest a demon. I'm not going to lie to you. But at the same time, if it comes my way, I'm going to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Because I understand that my weapons are not carnal, but mighty through Jesus for the pulling down of strongholds. To cast down any vain imagination that comes and rises up itself against the standards of God. Amen? That's good. I'm going to say that a little bit slower. My weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through Jesus for the pulling down of strongholds. I need you to understand that your weapons are not your fist. Your weapons are not your feet. Your weapons is not a headbutt. Your weapons is not a chest bump. Your weapons is your mouth. Your weapons is when you lift up your hands. Your weapons is when you bow down and say, God, I know that this situation is rough, but I'm going to trust you through it all. Because I believe that you are making a way for me even when there is no way. I know that this wall is in front of me, but if you tell me to go around this seven times and to lead with trumpets, I believe that the wall is going to come down. So what I'm going to do is instead of letting my ego get in the way, I'm going to tell my ego to get away and I'm going to drop my pride and I'm going to go before you and I'm going to walk the wall until the wall comes down because you told me how to do it. And sometimes God is telling you how to do something, but you refuse to do it the way God is telling you to do it. But the funny part is that you shall walk through the darkest valleys just like Jesus walked through the valley. Some of you feel like walking through a valley, you're exempt from that just because you come to God. Ain't nobody exempt from a battle. Ain't nobody exempt from the enemy coming in and trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. He wants to destroy you. He don't want Melly to come up here and sing. He doesn't want Pastor to grab the mic. He doesn't want Elijah to be my armor bearer. He doesn't want Brenda to be my wife. He doesn't want Mickey to speak to me. Because the fact is, if he keeps me disconnected from them, then I'm isolated and now he has a position to beat me up. Because just like the parable of the sheep, there was 199 ran off. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, went off and chased the one. Why did he chase the one? Because what? He's important to him? Why do you think he chased the one? Anybody else? <laughs> that was actually pretty good, though. At least I know somebody's listening to my sermon. Amen? Why do you think, why do you think God chased, I mean, why do you think the good shepherd chased that one sheep? Purpose. Plan. Love. I like love. Oh, man, I don't know, man. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Why do you think? He was alone. Purpose, my brother. For love. For love. Why do you think? All of the above. I got to get somebody. Why do you think? All of the above. Why do you think, Juan? Because he said, if he's the shepherd, he said he would never leave them. His job was to never leave not one. That's why he did it. Somebody give a round of applause for that answer right there. God is good. Brother man, what are you doing in your life, my man? You are super strong. Them long johns is stretching, bro. I've never seen a stretch long john in my life. Jesus Christ. 
That's a long john. That's a super long john, amen? What section you bought that from in Walmart? <laughs> what I'm saying is that the shepherd will leave the 99 because the 99 together are strong. And they understand what they're called to do. So when that one ran off, the shepherd knew, just like he said, that's purpose, there's love in that sheep's life. And before he goes off the cliff, I'm going to chase him down and make sure that he comes right back. Now, the funny thing about the fact that the shepherd ran after the sheep, do you know how they bring him back? Some of you are real Bible people. I love it. The shepherd goes, let me get to that, Al. Please don't miss it. That's my message, not your message. Don't be coming for me. I don't care if you got a gun, bro. I will dodge them bullets. I'll be like. <laughs> I'll do the matrix on you, Al. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that the shepherd runs and gets the sheep. He runs towards the sheep and he has to snap the leg. So the sheep won't keep running. Because some of us, even though you see God, you'll still run. Sometimes God got to break your leg. I've been there. Sometimes God might have to take you out that job. I've been there. Sometimes you might have to go through a valley. But just know that when God comes your way, and he might have to snap something just so he could put you back on his shoulders and bring you back to where you rightfully belong. That's the most precious gift of it all. 